Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 118 days later, it seems that the Screen Actors Guild and the motion picture folks have reached a deal. And here to tell us about it is Trey Burvant, president of Louisiana Film and Entertainment Association. Trey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Noel. Very excited to Trey, have this we, conversation. <laughs> absolutely. Trey, we went from literally silence, no negotiation, to a ra- rapid negotiation process towards the end of the 118 days. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, I think that the negotiation process is always going to be a mystery on, you know, how long it takes and then how quick it resolves itself. But you know, I said before that this was a very novel negotiating process in the sense that we were dealing with so many new things in our industry, especially with regards to artificial intelligence um, and just some very outdated, um, you know, things that the unions and the studios, you know, had like especially, you know, pay breaks and things like that. They just needed to be updated. So glad we're here and looking forward to a very busy 2024. Yeah, absolutely. So what does this mean? First off, they uh, they compromise with a 7% increase in general wages that are effective immediately with the same in 2024 and 2025. So the total package includes more than a billion dollars in wages mm-hmm. and benefit plan funding, which is mm-hmm. good for them. Uh, as you said, AI was probably the most divisive issue. Um, in fact, didn't even want to talk about it. And then Towards the end of the negotiation, it seems as though they were able to strike a deal there, providing, I guess, guardrails to protect the actors themselves, right? Yeah, it's, it, is, it is a really interesting, when you read some of the, um, a lot of the, the nuance of the language, you know, they had to distinguish between employment-based, what they're, they're calling everything called digital replicas, Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of it is parsed out between employment based digital replicas, i.e., an actor works on a film or works on a TV series and they want to use additional digital uh, stuff for them, or independently created digital replica, which is AI generated 
stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it, it really is a, a dividing line between, you know, because think about it, AI, you have to teach AI and train AI in order to do AI. Um, and so there was a big conversation about, you know, are you going to compensate the actors for when they're actually being used to train artificial intelligence for your use? You know, so all of these things, it got really into the weeds, but I mean, they really did some heavy lifting to get to a place um, uh, between the two, between the union and the studios. And there's also, they left room open for a dialogue, you know, ongoing dialogues. But ultimately, it came down to transparency, consent, you know, and, um, you know, and, and conspic- conspicuous use of uh, someone's image and likeness. Fran Drescher, who um, I don't know when I watched her, you know, on TV, I never imagined that she would be the leader of the, of the union. She was she was quoted as saying, I think they realized that we were facing a new kind of leadership in me and Duncan. We deflected their intimidation tactics. They had to acknowledge that we were just simply demanding respect. Yeah, um, I think a lot of that is. Uh, you know, there's probably true. I mean, there is, uh, we've seen across the country, the labor unions have made significant gains, not just in our industry, but the auto industry and some in the hotel industry. And um, I think, you know, there's just a, it feels like it's been a catch up time, Um, not catch up, but catch up into getting into what the real world is right now. So, you know, I think a lot of it is, rallying the troops and, and standing tall. But I, I think the studios made studios made deals that they could make. Right. I, you know, I think, as you know, any negotiation, it's uh, people walk away a bit unhappy. And I still, I do. I still think there are probably things that the union wanted that they didn't get. And the studio probably paid a little bit more than they wanted to pay. So. Absolutely. So how does this translate to our industry here? Obviously, things have been on pause. Uh, how fast do we come out of that pause? Well, unfortunately, it's it's not really like a water spigot where you can just, you know, you can turn it off pretty fast, but turning it on, um, it, it, you got to get up to full velocity. There are, though, that there were shows that were interrupted down here Um on both of the strikes that are a bit more shovel ready than other projects, you know, projects that are still trying to get their casting projects that um, are, are not greenlit yet um, and things like that. So uh, hopefully, you know, I know that we've got two, two projects that are slowly getting into uh, pre-production and hopefully they will be lensing uh, filming sometime uh, in late January. Uh, people need to understand is that, you know, when, when the moment a show comes down here, it you know pre-production takes anywhere between six to eight weeks before they start filming, and in that time, you have a ramp up of crew and different departments. Spending starts to happen, you know, and they start to lay the groundwork and the battle plan, so to speak, before they can go in and actually film. And what we're looking at, and what we've really projected, is that we're going to start seeing a lot of po- uh, pre-production happening end of this year, beginning of 24, and then real legitimate back-to-normal filming probably in the spring. You know, I'd say late February, mid-March is when we're going to start seeing a lot more actual filming activity. Trey, you know, this disruption for local talent here, whether that's in the production side, the acting side, the extras, whatever, we're prepared 
for this to, to just kind of move and, and migrate to the next stage? Oh, we're going to be drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> <We're>, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, that's the thing about our industry is that, you know, when we're going, it, it's, it's crazy. And I, I, it's a similar uh, thing to COVID, though COVID was a little bit more measured in returning, even though, but when it did return, it, it was full force and there was so much production because the lull had happened. Uh, well, look, our crew is still intact uh, this is, we have to remember that this was not just a strike in Louisiana. It was a work stoppage throughout the entire country. So you couldn't just pick up and go to Georgia and start working again. So our crew has been holding down the forts, you know, taking care of their families and by any means necessary. And all I know from what I hear is that they are just ready to get back to work um, and, and, and get back to where they were before the strike happened. It comes at a good time for us, right? I mean, that, that this is resolved because 2024 is kind of shaping up to be a tough year on many fronts. Um, yes, I think if you're looking at um, going into the national politics and the election and everything, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot. But what it's going to do for this, for our economy, is that it's going to re-inject you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into the local economy and hundreds of millions of dollars back into the the, the families, Louisiana workers and families that um, work in the industry, you know, and even the vendors, right? You know, I, I think we forget, we talk about the crew people that are out of work and, and that's very important, but you also have vendors, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. our studio. Um, our studio has sat empty for several months, if not, you know, almost in some instances of the year. And that's, that's, those are big losses, and we have to backfill those. And then it's not easy, but we know that on the other side of it, it's worth the wait and worth digging into and you know keeping our, our lights on because we know that when it comes back, we're, there's a real need for the services that we provide. So it, 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 it's hit many, many, many um, outside of just crew people. It, it's affected many, many businesses in the state of Louisiana. Has the, um, and I meant to ask earlier, uh, I know the board voted in favor of it. Uh, has the membership actually um, ratified the board's decision? No. The, so what happens next is the union will mail out, uh, generally whenever there's a, any type of vote, they'll mail out a postcard to its membership, and it allows them to ratify their vote or send their vote in via um, electronic or if they want a paper ballot, um, they can request a paper ballot. But the deadline is December 5th is the voting deadline for Mm -hmm. the Actors Guild. Um, I I think everyone feels pretty confident that it will be passed. Um, So I'm not terribly concerned about it, Um, especially since SAG has already given the green light to get back to work. So you do have, yeah, yeah, the get back to work, yeah. And this, you know, and that's something that happens every three years when there's not a strike, right? When you're coming up Mm -hmm. to the end of of the CBA and SAG and the the suitors like, yep, we're all good. And then even though when the new contract takes hold, there's still a ratification process, but they they give the continuation green light to work under full confidence. And that's what they've done here. When Hollywood South kind of first started out, we were getting a lot of goods and services from outside of the confines of the state of Louisiana. It, just kind of a gut. How much has that changed? 
Oh, I would say if you look at to, let's just say the early aughts, right, 2003, 2004, when you did not have the type of infrastructure here in Louisiana, when you didn't have the crew base, when you didn't have the vendors, the specialty vendors, the trucks, you know, everything, you know, I think they were they were outsourcing, you know, close to 80 percent of a lot of what they needed. Um, and I think that has reversed itself. I think you just flip those two numbers. I think you can pretty much procure close to 90% of your needs. You know, there are a lot of specialty items that you can't get here, like 3D modeling that happens in certain places in California that they have to bring in. But look, there, we, we, have, we are so mature that you do not have to look far and you can basically procure whatever you need to do here in the state. You, you, you would agree there are some people that, that, that have been lukewarm to the industry that were raising issues that were kind of antiquated from that early 2000s that are not the mm-hmm. case now, but they're kind of still embracing the same dialogue, right? Well, I can't, all I can do is continue to put forth um, the reality and the facts of what we have. And, and, you know, we have a mature industry with, you know, every television show or, film or movie crew that you see, you have to think to yourself that all of the trucks that you see are owned by local Louisiana uh, transportation companies, uh, that 80 to 85 percent of the people you see walking around are bona fide Louisiana residents and mm-hmm. pay their primary taxes in the state, right? right. That right. that the costumes that you see them wearing, you know, while some are still procured out of state, you know, for period pieces especially, you know, right. that they're shopping in all of the clothing stores here. And right. so it, 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 those things have changed. And we, we try to do um, – uh, we try to really get those messaging points out there that, that when you think about our industry, you know, forget about the red carpet and the, flat and the lights. It is a manufacturing industry. We manufacture a, pro- uh, a product here. It's just – it's not a widget. You know, it's a digital <laughs> film celluloid-based thing that – you watch in your television and there's great demand for it. Yeah. Final thoughts. uh, No, I I just can't tell you that um, it feels like it was another uh, fugue state I was living in for the last few months, but I'm (laughs) glad to, glad to clear my head and my brain, the cobwebs out, you know, we're going to clean up the studio here. And um, we just, we're so excited just to see, people get back to work and and not have to think about some of the hardships they've had to embrace the last few months. So very exciting. Well, we're happy for you guys as well. We're happy for the industry. Uh, They play an integral part of not only impacting our economy, but really selling our product uh, worldwide, right? I mean, it just gives us the kind of exposure that in many cases you cannot purchase. It just doesn't exist. I agree. Exist, I, agree. Um, I agree. And mo- and more and more you're starting to see New Orleans and Louisiana being the storyline. And that's really important, right? It goes all the way back from True Detective, right? People still go out and mm-hmm. see that tree. They yep. still drive out there to see that tree. <laughs> no doubt for sure. Trey Barvan, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time, your insight. Have a great week. You too. Man. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's Trey Burvant, the president of the Louisiana Film and Entertainment Association. Folks, we will be right back. Give us a shout on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. Stay with us. This is Newell on 
WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. Let's talk about something good that's about to occur. And uh, I must commend the Cantrell administration, and hopefully uh, this program that they're about to embark on, that, they, that we stay focused and we stay consistent and we stay aggressive on this issue. And this is relative to the homeless camps that we have across the city. But more importantly, right as you come off the interstate, and you get on the down ramp in so many locations, and you end up in the middle of a homeless camp. And I've said, and you've heard me say this over and over again, human nature is the first impression is the lasting impression. And if you drive from the Louis Armstrong International Airport to the city of New Orleans, and if all you see is garbage and this and that and graffiti and the whole nine yards, and then you take the first exit and you find yourself in the middle of a homeless camp that whole experience of coming to the city of New Orleans and we have a lot to offer we truly do it's just tarnished that's just new human nature you got to put your best foot forward we're in the competition business we are competing against the Austins the Nashvilles the uh, Charlotte, uh, Atlanta, Houston, and so many others. And we have things that are uniquely different here to offer. But if the experience starts off on the wrong foot, it's hard to catch up. In some cases, it doesn't, doesn't even matter how good you are. It's hard to get back. And that's why I'm excited about this. I'm excited for the city, and hopefully it's going to work. It's a different way of approaching this. It's been tried and tested in the city of Houston. First, the mayor hired someone who's focusing on this and this alone, and that's Nathaniel Fields' Office of Homeless Services and Strategy. That's the first step. The second step is they went out and they hired a consultant who... Uh, has done this in a number of different cities in creating 
a business model around addressing homelessness. Her name is um, Mandy Chapman Semple. She has the Clutch Consulting Group. What they're doing is an effort to bring together the not-for-profit community to gain a better under for them and educate help educate them and gain a better understanding of how there's a lot of over overlap on the fringes of the services that are being offered by these individual organizations this is not easy to do you're asking each one of them to think outside of themselves and to gain a better understanding how collectively and collaboratively they can come together and kind of have a gatekeeper who's going to document which path that individuals that need services will take in order to satisfy the needs so that we can get them out of tents, off our streets, and into housing. And housing is the key. Permanent supportive housing is the language that's used, and that and that's the key. You have some folks that legitimately really want to get off the street. You have others that don't. You have you have some folks that you'll I've read a lot about this. You've seen interviews conducted. How long have you lived in a tent? Twenty years and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's hard to affect change for that individual. Will we eliminate homeless camps? No. Can we minimize them? Yes. And that's the goal in bringing the not-for-profit communities together, garnering the financial and political oomph that they have, pulling the wagon in the same direction, making sure that each group understands that maybe even just the fringes of the services that they're providing can help and facilitate and minimize the impact of homelessness in the city of New Orleans. We need to get behind this endeavor. We need to support it. We need to be the cheerleaders for it. In fact, this Friday, they're going to remove that homeless encampment um, at the uh, at the bottom of the exit there at Chapatulis, which everybody takes when they're going to um, to get to get into the warehouse district, to get to the cruise ships. A lot of folks, myself included, coming from Metairie, uh, get to uh, the uptown area, the garden district, some of the restaurants in, in that area along Magazine Street, and and other places, and. You know, so it's, it's, we're embarking on this, the city is, that is, and they've put out the notices that this is going to happen on, on the 17th, which is this Friday. Um, their item, the items that are there, they're going to temporarily store them if the homeless want to, you know, regain their items. There's going to be outreach workers provided for help that will coordinate the services, but Hopefully, they're going to be gone. They're going to come back. There's no doubt about it. And that's why, hopefully, we stay focused and committed to this. 
the unfortunate thing is that it's going to cost money. And, you know, they we're going to have to expend some dollars in order, in order to do this. Uh, but this is one where I, I think that the right investment in the right way at the right time is critical. Uh, there is a grant that's being provided for. Um, I'm not always happy about these these grant opportunities. You have to have the ability to receive them. You've heard me talk about that a lot. Um, but I also am a little creates a little angst and anxiety for me too, because uh, in many cases we get lazy, and we become what I call a a, a beggar organization, where without the federal assistance we're not able to continue these programs keep them up and running and keep them um, alive and well and making a difference and this grant is nothing to sneeze at it's 15 million dollar federal grant from the department of housing and urban development um, and the whole goal is reducing unsheltered homelessness and this program uh, will provide or these dollars will provide enough sustenance over the next three years to house 420 people that will put a pretty good dent in the homeless community that we have here today. The question is, is that in other cities, too, uh, that have had uh, initial grants and then they had continuing grants, a lot, a lot of those folks, Houston being one, Houston cut its homeless population by nearly two-thirds utilizing this type of program. In fact, Ms. Semple was involved in, in the Houston program, and they have had huge successes. In fact, um, its homeless population, uh, has they've driven it, their homeless population by 64%, including just this past year, which is post-COVID, a 17% reduction. Now, they coordinate their public policy to give an example of how broad this is, with a hundred different nonprofits that they've had this agreement and they've come together, they're working together, they understand that a lot of what is in their their main path that of what they do is not directly targeted at homelessness but they're understanding that a lot of what they do in the periphery can help. And they've agreed to come together in that way in order to take this kind of what they describe as a tag team approach. Uh, and the Coalition for the Homelessness, uh, which the lead agency for this collective effort, which is called The Way Home. So this has been done in other jurisdictions. It is proven to be fruitful they've had evidence-based outcomes that are pretty significant and you, you cannot um, turn your head on on some of the outcomes that they've had and as I said before it, it's not a question of elimination it's almost a question of getting to some acceptable not acceptable but tolerable level um, because, you, you know, it's, this is very dynamic. It, it, you got people coming in, people going out, and it's always changing. 
One of their concerns in a most recent article that I read about this is much what I have said about this federal funding. And they're hoping that they can keep this together because their major source has been federal money to run the daily operations, uh, you know, of what they've been doing. Um, this money they've been put on notice is going to end soon. So they're nervous. They just, they're in the middle of a mayoral election right now there. Uh, they're concerned about whether or not this is going to continue to be a primary focus of local government and whether or not they're going to have and be able to backfill as it relates to funding. And, you know, oftentimes when we receive these types of monies and we engage in these programs, uh, from day one we ought to be thinking about how we're going to be able to sustain these programs three years from today. And the only option cannot be going back to the federal government. It just can't be. And that's what I mean about being uh, a beggar operation. You get cozy, you get comfortable, and you get lazy when you have this federal money coming your way. In a moment in time that you have to transition to local resources in order to keep it going, more often than not, what I've seen is failure. Because we have our eye on the wrong ball. If we're going to be wedded to this type of approach, and especially if we start having successes, we need to support it as a community, as a not-for-profit community, as a business community. Everybody has to be behind it. I complain about it. You complain about it. We're critical of it. You're critical of it. Well, when there's a program that comes to us that has had success in other areas, We need to, for certain, in the short term, embrace it until it shows otherwise that they're not serious about what they're doing. So that's the whole impetus for me talking about this this morning. We should celebrate the fact that we're about to embark upon this endeavor. We should embrace this endeavor. We should support this endeavor. And we should pray that it's going to be successful. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And on a text line, and you give Biden zero credit for it. Surprise, surprise. Well, the program didn't start under Joe Biden, by the way. Okay? So, I mean, the program's been in existence for about a dozen years now that HUD has been providing this. And in Houston, it was as a result of them getting a failing grade as it relates to housing. So it was a lot broader topic. And, in fact, the funding actually continued through the Trump years as well. So I know you want to make this a Republican-Democrat thing. The primary difference is these grant programs in a Democrat world, they strongly believe in direct placement, going from the federal government to local government directly. The Republicans like to hand it down through the states. So it goes to the state, and then it goes to the respective agencies from the state level. It's just a difference in the processing of it. Quite frankly, in many respects, I liked direct placement better. I liked proving to the federal government that we were worthy of receiving the money. So I'm not a hypocrite on the issue. I think there's a lot of administrative costs that are wasted when we hand the money down through the states in many respects. Now, I understand that the Democrats like the direct placement model better because they understand politics better, quite frankly, in many respects. They understand the concept that all politics are local. They can make an immediate impact and effect by handing the money to local government. The community-oriented policing um, services, COPS, was a great example in the Clinton years of direct placement. In fact, it allowed the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office to build a communication system, second to none. We did so and assisted the city of New Orleans, myself and Colonel Terry Ebert, where we collaborated in building out a system for the what it was called the Urban Area Security Initiative of four parishes to include Plaquemines, St. Bernard, Jefferson, and Orleans. And we did so through direct placement. A lot of our programs, Project STAR, Survey, Target, Arrest, Rejuvenation, our community policing effort was done through direct placement under a Democratic administration. I found that there was greater assistance there when they provided the funding for that assistance and consulting services directly where we didn't have to rely on the state. I don't like where we have to waste all of this money in administrative oversight. I think in many respects it it has worked well, at least in my experience. Now, there's been horror stories in other areas of the country where the money was squandered. There was not enough oversight because with the state there is a ton of oversight. Um, You pay the bill. That's why I speak with experience when I say it's nice to get the money, but you got to have the ability to receive it because it is easy to squander it. It's easy to waste it. 
it's harder to make sure and ensure that you're going to develop a return on that investment and you can stand up before an audit committee and defend every single solitary purchase you ever made with those dollars. Unfortunately, for the most part, government's not set up to do their business that way. It is a sad reality. I'll give Biden credit for continuing the program. I'm sure that's why we got the dollars that we got here in the city of New Orleans. The question is, is whether or not we're going to be willing to stay the course. In fact, I got a text here that said just recently in Houston and the news, they're stated that they are expending over $50 million a year to provide housing for the homeless. Now, understand, Houston's a lot bigger than the city of New Orleans. The complaint was the fact that they cannot keep up with this cost. Where are we going to get the recurring funds needed to do this? They have had about 18% of federal money that would not be there. Wait, wait, wait. I'm reading the wrong text. That 18% of the homeless has gone on to improve themselves. So who is going to continue the program? This cost does not include social services needed to support drug addiction and education. No, the cost is not, but in comparison, when you add up the cost of all of that, there is a savings, and they have proven to be a savings in in Houston. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people right, right away jump to the conclusion that there will be no enforcement. The fact of the matter is the Houston Police Department issued 1,400 citations for encampment violations last year up from just 63 in 2018. But what they do is they do it in conjunction and coordination with the broader homelessness effort. And that's the whole thing. You bring all of the assets and resources to bear on this situation. Squandering money? You mean like Hanno paying for Vappi's trip to Martha's Vineyard on a text line? Uh, Yeah, that would be a good example. I, I don't see... Anything synonymous with Martha's Vineyard and a housing authority at all. I I don't understand. Read the room. I, I don't understand why they would do that. Whatever benefit you're getting from that organization, you can you can have them come to you. You can do it by Zoom. You can do it by any any other means. But to send three board members. Uh, to that retreat or whatever they call it, um, it just doesn't make too much sense to me. I'm with you. It's, a, it's an example of what I'm talking about. When you're talking about this, you've got to maximize each and every red cent because if you're going to, if you are, if it's going to fall on you and your existing resources to carry that program on, That's what needs to happen. But let's go back to where we started. In giving credit where credit's due, we've put the infrastructure in place to focus on the problem. And they can't do it alone. They need our help. They need everyone to come together on this issue. And as I said, hopefully, after Friday of this week, when they remove that encampment down there, that we don't see it again. That would be something for me 
I don't know about you, but for me, moving in a positive direction. We'll be right back. We'll see what Scoot's got coming your way. Stay with us. Scoot joins us. He's up next. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, I hope the mayor's booty guard enjoyed the trip we gave him to Martha's Vineyard. Hope he uh, enjoyed that. Um, (laughs) Also, there's a new plan for a new club uh, meeting in December at an elementary school in Connecticut. It's the After School Satan Clubs. We'll talk about that. Is Taylor Swift a witch? It seems like some people are obsessed with the idea that maybe she's actually a witch. And uh, the wife of NFL quarterback, um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, has fired back at a negative Instagram comment. Why do people enjoy making nasty comments to people on social media? And uh, the soundtrack for uh, Dirty Dancing um, hit number one on this day. And so we're going to feature bumper music from Dirty Dancing in the 3 o'clock hour. All righty. Sounds like a great lineup, folks. Stay tuned. Scoot's up next. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a great Tuesday evening. We'll see you guys again in the morning. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.